0: Welcome to RVR's Life After Camp podcast. Learn about the camp and retreat ministries of RVR at rivervalleyranch.com. Enjoy. Hey, guys doing? Yeah. Been a good week? Yeah. It has been a good week. I got to do high ropes with some of you today. That was a little bit scary. Uh, definitely test your faith. Thanks, man. Well, I'm going to pray one more time, and then we're going to get in God's Word, and we're going to talk about living under God's control. We've been talking about how everything's out of control, and how there's so much chaos in the world, but a lot of you last night made a life-changing decision to say that I want to place my heart faith in Jesus Christ. I want to become a follower of Jesus. That's a huge deal. But what does that look like practically as we leave camp? What is it like to really live Under God's control. That's what I want to try to help you guys understand as best I can. So let's pray one more time, and then we're going to get into it. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this awesome week here at River Valley Ranch. Thank you for River Valley Ranch. Thank you for those that make this camp possible. Not just all the workers, but even the supporters financially that uh, over the years have made this camp what it is. Thank you this week for visiting with us and just working in our lives. Many of us came in here with just a a lot of hurt, a lot of pain, a lot of junk, a lot of regrets from things that we've done since last summer. And, God, last night we went to the cross, and that's where we find hope and healing, forgiveness and cleansing. Thank you for that, God. Continue to work tonight. Help me as I teach to be able to take your truth and Help me to be able to make sense of it to these teenagers so that they can apply it to their lives. I need you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. What does it look like to live life out of our own control and under God's control? What's that look like? How do we do that? That's what I want to talk to you guys about this evening. The first passage of Scripture I want to show you is one of my favorites in the whole Bible. It's Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. It's up here on the screen. I'm going to read it to you, and then I am going to explain this to you so you get what it really means. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. I love these verses. There's some imagery there. There's a lot of imagery in the Bible. God takes... Um, illustrations, image, imagery, parables, things like that to help us understand like deep spiritual truths. So picture a runner, but this isn 't a sprinter. this is somebody who 's doing like some you know cross country mountainous type hard run, think marathon, think long distance it 's comparing that to the Christian life that we 're running, but we 're not running sprinting. At times in the Christian life, we don't really even feel like we're running. Those of you that have been a Christian a while, you know what I'm saying. You feel like you're just staggering sometimes or even crawling. You feel like you're you're gripping like a climbing wall. But he says, like, that he's trying to help us see that there's this imagery. It's, it's like a race, this marathon race. But if you could picture this runner that has some kind of weights on him or her, and it's holding them up, and there's things that are trying to catch them and snare them. And the imagery there is, you know, some athletes, when they were in training, they would put weights on, and they would run with weights, so that when they got in the race and the weights were off, it was so much easier to run, and they could run so much better. The Christian life, this isn't warm-ups. This isn't practice. This is the real deal. When you go home, it's the real deal. There's no rehearsal. We're in life. It's happening. There's no do-overs. You guys know when you go home, it's not like camp, right? You know what I'm saying? It's not like camp. Your home and even your school, your environment, your friends, it doesn't foster what we're trying to foster here at camp where the, the peer pressure is for you to focus on God and to live for God, and it's this safe place that... It really helps you flush out a lot of your junk, deal with it. That's not home. So it's going to be hard going back home to live the Christian life. Some of you that have come to camp year after year, you know that. I talked with some of you this week. You've told me what's happened since last summer, some things that you're ashamed of, some things that you're like, I wish I wouldn't have gotten involved in that. It, got, it took me further than I wanted to go. I understand all of that. Picture it like this marathon, this race, this climb. And in these verses, there are three action verbs I want you to see. The first one is this whole idea of lay aside. It says, lay aside the weight. Well, let me make sure I got this right for this translation. Yeah, lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily clings to us. What do I do when I go back home to live under God's control? Number one, lay aside The weight and the sin that is entangling you, that's holding you up from running this race, this Christian life. You need to lay that aside. What does that mean? Separate from it. Separate. Get rid of some things. Cut them off. Be preventative. If you see something that's going to cause you to sin, get rid of it. Separate. Divorce certain things. I don't know what that is for you, but I know that when I first became a Christian, I told you my junior year of high school, no one told me to do this. I went home to my brother's house, went in my perverted bedroom that had posters of bikini models and everything all over the walls, had a lot of bad music, and I'm not saying all your music has to be Jesus music, but my music was blatantly violent, full of profanity, full of just demeaning women, it caused a lot of rage in me. So I came home and I had to lay aside, didn't even know these verses. You see, the Holy Spirit of God was working in me and already leading me to do that. I took every one of those posters down. The pornography that I was hiding in my uh, dresser drawers because we didn't have internet back then, so it was things like magazines or a video. I pulled all of that out, took it to the garbage and... Threw it in there, tied it up, and took the garbage out early. (laughs) My brother came home and was like, why is the trash out a couple days early? I'm like, man, because it really stinks. He was just like, okay. I was always kind of a weird teenager, so he just let it go. So I did that. I remembered that at the time I was in a relationship with a girl. That relationship wasn't real good. It's not that we were having sex, but it just wasn't good. My focus needed to be on God. I broke up with her. I'm not saying you have to do that with your boyfriend or girlfriend. But I had to lay some things aside. Was she a sin? No. But it was like a weight. It was like holding me back. It wasn't what I needed to focus on right then and there. The lying that I used to do, just habitual lying, over stupid, anything, that needed to stop, separate from it. Some of the friends that I would hang out with that wanted to pull me into, like, the party scene, let's smoke up. Let's drink. Jason, man, have you had sex yet? When are you ever going to do it, man? Come on. Like, dude, how long are you going to be a virgin? Those friends, if they weren't going to go where I was going in this race, I needed to separate from them because, man, they wanted to pull me back into it. I had to pursue some new friends, some friends that were going the way I'm going. Sometimes it was lonely. Welcome to the Christian life. It can feel like that. I would rather be alone and following Jesus and doing the right thing than with a whole bunch of people doing the wrong thing that, that is really going to ruin my life. You know what I'm saying? And I want to I encourage you, some of you that are so afraid to stand alone or to lose some friends. Guys, man up. Young ladies, woman up. <laughs> be, be a warrior. Be a cat in this spiritually. Come on. Stop going with the flow. That's so easy. Yawn. Fight. It's hard. You say, man, well, people are going to think I'm weird. I'm going to lose some friends. They might not like me. But if you stick with it, they'll begin to respect you, and they'll begin to come to you in time and say, hey, could you help me? I'm dealing with some stuff. You look like you got your stuff together now, man, like some things have been happening. You could say the same thing I have. I don't have all my stuff together, but God is helping me. I could show you. Some of the friends that made fun of me, some of the family members that made fun of me back in 11th and 12th grade when I started making changes in my life, I've earned their respect over the last 20 to 25 years. Lay it aside, guys. I don't know what it is for you. Let me just use an example. If, another example, if you've got weed back home, if you've got other stuff and you're stashing, you don't keep it like, well, I'm just not going to do it anymore, but I'm not throwing that away. You know how much money that is? And don't go sell it and make money on it. Burn it. Lay aside, separate, make these hard decisions. Hey, listen, you want to know what was easy? Was standing up last night in front of everybody. You want to know what's hard? Going back home and living it out and running this race. But you can do it. God is now in you. He wants to help you. It's going to be hard. There's going to be times you fall, but you can do it. Lay aside is the first extrovert. The next one is run. What does that have to do with? It means take action. It has to do with taking action. Run has to do with obedience to God. It's where I was here, but now I'm following God. I'm laying all this other stuff aside, but now I'm going to follow God. I'm going to walk in his ways. So what what does it mean to walk in his ways? What does the Bible tell us to do? And you begin to do that. Does any Christian do it perfectly? No. No. You know what the main thing we need to do is? The two main commands in the Bible. Everything else falls under this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Sounds really simple. We can't do that without God's help. What does it mean to love God? Spend time with him. God's a person. If you love someone, you go and spend time with them. You get to know them. How do we get to know God? Like light some candles? Uh-huh. You've got to spend time in the Bible. Well, I don't understand the Bible. Well, but when you tried to read it before, you probably weren't a Christian. God wasn't living in you. Now he's living in you. And he can begin to help make sense of this book. You also need to find a good church where they actually teach the Bible and they don't just give you like pat on the back t- pep talks. I love a good pep talk. But you need people to teach you the Bible. Open this book. Put it on the screen. Teach you guys what it's saying. Hey, listen to me. The big thing I tell teenagers, don't just read the Bible, study the Bible. If your parents, if you tell them, hey, man, camp was really good. I need you to get me a Bible. They would probably go in cardiac arrest, first of all. But tell them, I don't need any Bible. I need a study Bible. I need a Bible with some notes to help me understand things. What, two of my favorite are the MacArthur Study Bible or the ESV Study Bible. If you don't understand what you're reading, you're not going to know what to do. It's as simple as today on the High Ropes course. My friend Nathan is sitting there trying to tell me what to do with this new latch system. What if I was just like, and if those of you that have been up there, you know what I'm talking about. It's click, click, this one comes out. You know, it's, it's 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 a lot different than it used to be. So, If I just kind of blew that off and I'm like, well, Nathan, man, I got it. I got it. First of all, he wouldn't have let me go. He wanted to see me do it. Put the pin in, Jason. (laughs) I put the pin in. Good. Take it out. Jason, do it again. You're good. Now I know how to do it. Now what can I do? Let's walk. Let's advance. Let's go through this high ropes course. I understood. You need to understand the Bible. What the heck do I keep stepping on? It's like a Swedish fish or something. Whose is that? (laughs) Don't eat it now. (laughs) All right. Lay aside, run, and listen. After we lay aside, as we run, as we're trying to obey God, what are we focused on? It says look to Jesus. What does that mean to look to Jesus? I'm going to tell you what it means. Number one. You stay focused on the person of Jesus. You find out who he is in the Gospels Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. What's he like? What did he do? Imitate him. Focus on Jesus. Understand the person of Jesus. Don't get wrapped up in following Christianity or conservatism or I'm going to follow the Republicans. It's none of that. We follow a person who really lived around 2,000 years ago, Jesus of Nazareth, who changed the world. We've got to get through all this junk that's out there, even a lot of what's out there called Christianity, and go back and say, who is he? Find him. How did he treat people? Study it out. Look at the things that upset him. Look at the things that did not upset him, the people that did not, that did horrible sins that he constantly showed love and grace to. That's what it means to look to Jesus. It also means you can't keep your eyes focused on man. You can't think that some spiritual leader or pastor or mentor... Or mom and dad are gonna be absolutely perfect and never let you down in some ways. They are. They are. They should be a good example, but no one's gonna be perfect. You're gonna find out stuff about everyone as you get to know them. We don't, we're not, we're not following, we're not followers of a priest or a pastor or really even of our mom or our dad, we're followers of Jesus. So that when others let us down, we can look to the one who'll never let us down. Do you know how many spiritual leaders have let me down? I've lost count. It's sad. Counselors that are in here, when I said that, some of you nodded your head because you're like, yep. So we're laying aside, we're running, we're looking to Jesus. And also what it means to look to Jesus is not just look to him, but look to where he's at. It actually tells us where he's at. Look to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and he's seated at the right hand of the throne of God. What does that have to do with? The same thing it has to do with in Colossians 3, verses 1 and 2. Keep your focus and your mindset not on this world, but on where Jesus is. Hey guys, if we're if you're really a Christian, we're going to heaven. We don't get wrapped up and caught up in this world. This is not our focus. I see so many people, even Christians, that are so focused about this life and trying to put away some big fat retirement for when they turn 65. And some of them are so messed up physically at 65, they can't even enjoy the big fat retirement. I'm not against retirement, but guys, this isn't home. We're going somewhere. We're just passing through. And this is what it means when it says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. What witnesses is it talking about? All those believers that have lived before us. The chapter before this talks about them, Hebrews 11. It starts bringing them up. Guys like Abraham, Sarah. You can go on and on. People through the Old Testament. Rahab, she's a woman. Esther, she's a woman. It's not just the guys. These great saints of the past, guess what? They didn't have an easy life. But they had a genuine faith in Jesus. By the way, how do you know if somebody has a genuine faith in Jesus? Because that faith will always produce obedience. Some of you say, man, how do I really know if I am a Christian? Look at your life. Is what you say you believe beginning to produce obedience to God? If it doesn't, then you missed it, man. I'm not saying perfect obedience like, dude, I left camp and I literally became Jesus. Jesus is back. (laughs) No. I'm talking about changes in your life. Are there changes? Do you have this desire where you're like, I've got to lay this aside. I want to start pursuing this. Guys, what you did up here, as we're talking about what, what happens back home, what does it mean to be under God's control? What are you letting go of that used to control you? It's got to be more than standing up last night and chalk. You say, oh, It's going to be hard sometimes. Yes, but be up for a fight. Fight with us. Those of us that are believers in Christ, we're fighting too. Lay aside, run, look to. Keep your focus on heaven. Genuine faith always produces action, you guys. I want to talk a little bit and just remind you, I, I can't say enough, that this world, we're just passing through. I brought up um, a couple nights ago my friend uh, Christina Grimmy. That was tragically killed two summers ago. And uh, when I flew out to California to, uh, actually I did that later. Um, When they had the funeral service, memorial service in New Jersey, I was meeting with her mom and her dad. And her mom came to me and she wanted to talk. She knew that I was Christina's youth pastor. She knew that even as Christina graduated and went on with her career that her and I kept in touch There was some text messaging going back and forth as she was pursuing her music career. And her mom came to me and she goes, Jason, she was weeping. She's like, do you really think my daughter, my daughter's in heaven? And I said, yes, I do. And she's like, you tell me why you say that. I said, because I believe your daughter had a genuine faith in Jesus. Because I saw your daughter striving to obey Jesus. What she said she had on the inside, she was really trying to live it out. Do you know some of her text messages to me were things like, Pastor Jason, I don't feel like I'm going the right way sometimes. I'm struggling with this. And I won't tell you what she said she was struggling with. That's between her and I. I wouldn't tell her parents. She had some doubts, some fears. I will tell you this, she had a common fear. Jason, do you think I could lose my salvation? I said, well, the Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible teaches that once a person is really saved, that they're secure in God's hands, John chapter 10. It also says in Romans chapter 8 that nothing will ever separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And I would share those verses with her. And I would say, Christina, just the fact that that bothers you, that that's a concern of yours, that you're like, Jason, give me verses. I need to look this up. These are good things that I see that show someone is living in you. The fact that you told me some struggles that you don't want to have in your life. She told me she was concerned about conforming to the the flow of the the music scene out there. I, I can't think of the word I'm looking for, but just that conformity to what they wanted. Be the sexy young lady. Dress, show more skin. Do this. Sing about these things, and your song will go from here on the charts to here. And she said, Jason, I don't want to be that. I said, then don't. She says, but I feel the pressure, you know. I saw a girl that was fighting to obey Jesus, that was running the race, laying aside things. Look into Jesus. She had struggles. When I got out to her house in California this past year, because we went back for a one-year inaugural event, big fundraiser, I was talking to her dad. I was at his house, and I said, hey, bud, can you get me Christina's Bible, her personal Bible? And he said, absolutely. And he went, and he got it. It was a study Bible that I told her to get. I said, study the Bible. Understand what it says so that you can do what it says. Just like I needed to understand the high ropes course so I can go do it. Understand how to click in. Understand how to put the harness on. Understand the Bible. I started going through the Bible. You know what I didn't see? I didn't see brand new Bible with pages sticking together. I didn't see it just so crisp and clean. And and it it was kind of worn. I saw highlighter marks in it. I saw underlines. I saw circles. I saw hearts by certain verses. And then I found a verse that was underlined, highlighted, circled, and she wrote beside it, Favorite Verse. It's the verse where Jesus said, all you who are weary and heavy laden, who have a lot of burdens on you, a lot of stuff you're dealing with, come to me. I'll give you rest. What did I see? I saw a young lady that was running, agonizing, fighting, striving, laying aside things, looking to Jesus. It wasn't easy. She reached out for help when she needed help. She knew what was on the other side. She was looking forward to heaven. And I want to say this. I want to make it really clear to you guys. I wasn't so clear on this growing up. I want to help you understand exactly what happens when you die. Because we have no idea when that's going to happen. We talked about that the other night. I hope you guys get to live a life where It's long, and it's awesome, and you become grandparents, and you got this awesome family. do some really cool things in life. I I hope that for you. A room this size, the reality is some of us will not be here in 10 years. Like every 1.5 seconds, someone dies. That's three right there. It keeps going. It keeps going. Before chapel tonight, I was getting my notes ready. My wife called me, and she said, uh, "What are you doing?" I said, "I'm just finishing up my notes, about to speak. I ran out and grabbed some coffee at Rudders. She said, "Did you hear about Annapolis?" I said, "I can't hear about anything out here. I, I, it's hard to get Wi-Fi. The only thing I get is like the smell of horse manure." A whiff goes by. She said there was an active shooter right by the Indianapolis Mall. He went into the newspaper place, the Gazette or something like that. Five people are dead. Others are wounded. Police were looking for him. Hashtag true story. Just happened today. But you guys already know this because we talked about it all week, the chaos. It's out of control. This is what I want you to know for sure. Those of us that are believers in Christ, who have that genuine faith, when we physically die, however that is, cancer, if it is a shooting, a car accident, the moment we die, the moment the Bible says we go to be with God in heaven. I want to show you that and wrap up tonight. Because I had to also help Christina's parents with that. They knew the Bible. They've been Christians their whole life. But in that moment, they're just like, Jason, he, he put those bullets right in her chest. She stopped breathing. They're crying. They're like, I had to just remind them of what I'm going to show you guys right here. I'm like, in that moment, she left her body, and she was safe. The sheep was being held by the shepherd. He was right there. In Philippians the Apostle Paul writes this. He says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. He says, okay, so I'm going to live my Christian life. If I'm going to live life, I'm going to live for Jesus. I'm going to run that race. I'm going to look to him. I'm going to lay aside. He says that, but he says, if I die, it's actually gain. He goes on to say, I'm almost done, guys. Listen to this. To depart Meaning to depart, to die, to leave my body. Remember, we talked about that. What what happens at death? The soul leaves the physical body. This is only what houses you. you This is like your house. You're inside of a body. But when your body dies, he says, listen, my desire is to depart, to leave my body, and to be with Christ, which is far better. We know that when we die, we go to a far better place. I've had students tell me before, I don't want to die yet. I don't want this to happen because I want to live and do this, this, and this in life. I told Christina's parents this. I've told a lot of people this. And I believe this. If you're a Christian and you die, and what the Bible says is true, to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord, you go right to be with the Lord. If you could come back, if that was an option, which it's not, But if God said, do you want to stay or do you want to go back down? No one would choose to go back down. It's that good. Some of you got this idea of heaven that you got off TV or I don't know what, that we're just like sitting on a stool in heaven in a white robe, and we have to play a harp like forever. And you go to like take a water break, and God's like, hey, no, get back at it. You're lucky you're not burning. Come on. <laughs> That's not heaven. Where does that come from? That's not in the Bible. And you don't grow wings. You don't turn into an angels. They're a totally separate creature. You're human. You're going to see angels. You're going to be around angels. But when you go to heaven, listen. This is a verse I came across a couple years ago, man, and I loved it. Psalm 1611. In his presence... In God's presence, to die and be in his presence, Psalm 1611 says, there is fullness of joy and there's pleasures forevermore. You've only had a taste of joy in this life. You had some of it this week. All you got's a drop. Heaven is the ocean of joy. Some of you got some pleasure. You felt some things. You laughed. You giggled. I watched you guys. I love seeing it. I miss being a teenager sometimes. Guys are crazy sometimes. I'm like, yeah. You've only got a drop of pleasure. See, this is what God says, and God doesn't lie. In His presence, there's fullness of joy, there's pleasures forevermore. To live is Christ, to die is gain. If I depart and leave this body, Paul says it's far better. Why am I bringing this up to you guys? Because living under God's control, running this race, it's gonna be hard, but you gotta keep looking to Jesus, which also means you're looking to heaven, the next life. This is the only hell you're ever gonna go to as a Christian. I have to tell myself that all the time. When it hurts, and I don't like it here, and I don't like what my body's doing to me physically with sickness, With the disease in me? This is your hell, Jason. You never go to hell. This is your hell. So suck it the heck up. Keep running the race. Heaven is waiting. I hope this encourages you guys. I hope it motivates you. We're going to sing a song, and we're going to worship God together. And then when we're done... I just want to show you guys a few things that will help you uh, to keep in contact with me after camp if you would like to do that. But right now, we just need to worship God because all this amazing stuff we're talking about, he did it for us. So stand up or come up front, do whatever. Let's worship. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Live After Camp episode.